0: Hey Uva, how are you? I'm very good, Harold. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good to connect with you. It's been a while.
1: It has. It has. We've been kind of in limbo and um out of the spotlight a little.
0: But we're coming out of limbo, aren't
1: we? Yeah. Well, with the with the with the uh pandemic and all, but I'm more looking at from a standpoint of um the uh, I see the fire departments coming through our building here. Um, <laughs> it, there's a huge fire truck outside. I just see
0: and they're uh, getting ready to check all our lights throughout the building and all. So if there's an if there's an incident, we should get the camera on it so we can get it on TikTok. And you know. oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That if there's an incident, I want those on TikTok. <laughs> Thank you. What a great idea. <laughs> but uh, you know, out in the warehouses, we have have certain type of signs and ceilings and all and then upstairs so anyway but anyway um no you know we've been kind of with uh we have so many projects going on that we've just been working in the background with uh the the epidemic of course with with the covid and everything kind of kept us already everybody insulated but on top of that we've been so busy on on major projects and everything that uh, we have not been uh out in the public eye as much uh we have a, a mailchimp account with active good emails you know emails that are active running not just the ones that don't work also but of 42,000 plus wow And if I send out an email once every six months, I'm lucky, you know, and they charge me almost $400 a month just to have that account. So um, we definitely need to be maybe a little more out there. But as I tell people, I'd rather use my money and employ people who are being constructive in building up the new games and, 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 um, simulations that we're working on and projects that we're working on versus people who are just advertising because advertisers don't really, that's the engineer in me, you know, it's like <laughs> those sales guys, they just get all of but What a waste. Give me good engineers. <laughs> so we have the good product and people will come, you know,
0: that's great. So <laughs> That's great. Well, that's, you're, uh, you're, you're the multi-headed beast, I'm sure in your role there at, at Academy. Well, we are we are we are
1: getting some new people and trying new software programs. Um, we used to use like Hootsuite, but now there's so many really cool software programs that allow us to pull the emails from not only all of our email accounts but from our Facebook accounts, from our Hootsuite accounts, um, the Amazon accounts. So it's all in one spot, so that we can have people all our customer interfacing is one program, not having to jump all around. And that I think is. We're in the midst of implementing that. And that really helps. But then people still get mad and go, oh, why don't you ever answer my board game geek message? And <laughs> I'm like, or my console world message, or, oh, I left you a message on on this board over here. You guys never answer your messages. And I'm like, contact sales or info at Academy Games. and. Right. You know, it's it, because it's it's hard. And in so many languages, you know, German fans, we do most of our games in multiple, like seven languages usually. And they all hit us up in their local boards. And it's it's tough, you know, especially for a company that, like us, we don't have a whole marketing department because to me, uh, we I'd rather use the money. Um, in reserves for putting out new products. So there you go. You got my look. It you're like your a
0: therapist f- for me, Harold. I just <laughs> filled it all out. I hope that was therapeutic. You know, but but one of the things you bring up, Uber, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, that that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. But it's very much a family business, right? There. You spell, my goodness, amazing, incredible. Well, should, you might I have that. I should drink
1: part. with my left hand, not my right.
0: <laughs> but it's very much a family business, right? I mean. <laughs> you and I were recently having a discussion about a business, a business opportunity and your wife was there on the phone with us. And, uh, Card
1: Card does our accounting, our books. And, um, since with the pandemic, we, we had one person get sick and all that. And so we lost our main customer interface person. And so with the, especially where we're located in, um, on the pimple on the ass of the world
0: uh, where I'm a Buckeye you're you're located in heaven as far as I'm concerned
1: you know the nice thing is we don't have hurricanes we don't have droughts we don't have earthquakes we don't I'm knocking on wood as I'm saying this all we have are tornadoes and tornadoes are horrible things but they're one of these 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 maladies that give you huge forward warning. You know, if you hear a train coming your way, get in cover. <laughs> you know, it's not that a train jumped the tracks and is going down the road. No, it's a tornado coming a tornado. your way, you know. So luckily, a lot of people here have basements or um, in, in trailer parks and all that secure areas they can go. So we were pretty lucky. We've had great, great season. The bees, we're, you know, we have an apiary. We have bee Hives, Stokbacke, right. in, 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 in our yard. And the honey's been incredible this year. Incredible. So
0: yeah, Ohio's but, okay. But, but Ohio State football is driving distance. Um with you mean American football or real football? Uh I mean Ohio. I mean Ohio State
1: football. Well, I yeah, their, their soccer team was like one of the top rated soccer teams in America. So I agree with you. Yeah. There we go. There we go. We'll, we'll, we'll just give it that. Yes. And the Browns did beat Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. Yes. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool in the champions league fanatic and a Dortmunder fan, but Dortmund to me is that's, that's my savings grace. You know, Right. I get on my Bundesliga soccer games, and um, I'm happy. I'm sorry, we're getting so off the
0: key. We're we're drifting, but that's okay. You know, I, I I guess I was just trying to get a feel for for the business. So it's, oh, it's yes. So it's you, uh, Carrie does accounting, uh, and and uh, I know works to keep you uh, focused, right?
1: Yeah, she's she's my she's my barometer. You know, when when I get into business meetings or anything like that, she um, has a very good sense of uh the the she'll come after me and said you know what we have to watch out for this person he they they don't there's something there i don't quite trust and she has such a great innate sense um where i am like you know if i know it's a snake and i can work with the snake that benefits my business i'll work with the snake because I know it's a snake and I'll handle it like a snake.
0: Right.
1: Um where she says she's much more like you know if it's nice friendly snake they're good snakes also <laughs> but you know it's like and I agree with her more and more the older I get surround yourself with good juju yeah is so much better than surrounding myself with bad juju. Yes. You know being with positive good people in life and I've been lucky that that's been 95% of my life has been very, very, and that's a high percentage.
0: Right, right. No doubt. So, so Carrie, you also have, I know Gunther is involved, right? You're Gunther, Gunther is our
1: um, uh, design head of design. And he is um, of course, he's a, he's a biomechanical engineer, just phenomenal. His work in, in DNA manipulation and, early leukemia detection and, and, and protein marker attachments to individual DNA objects created that he came up with. But Ohio State does not allow you to keep patents and everything in your name and get profits later on, which is which is one of the drawbacks with Ohio State, I think, which long-term they're going to have to follow like Princeton companies like that, or or universities like that that say if you come up with a great patentable idea, yes, you still keep the majority. We get a little part of it, right? But you get the benefit of it long time because what's happening going to left Ohio states and why should I work ten years getting this through and I get nothing out of it when I could be working on the industry doing a board game and make a million dollars on the on a Kickstarter. I go, it's not that easy going to you're like. You know, you've got patents going through for your leukemia detection, your, your DNA strands that corporations can use that has a, a negative valence on the bottom to put medicines with protein marker, goes after leukemia cells and rats, boom, eradicates all the leukemia cells in like half an hour.
0: Right. Amazing.
1: Where the, the, the industry is coming so far. And then he goes and says, well, I can make more money just doing Kickstarter and doing games with you. That's I'm awesome. Like, are you nuts? It's not that easy, and, and then boom, boom, boom. You, you know we have, we have some pretty big kickstarters. So I have to eat crow there. So he's in charge of our development, and um, uh, is an incredible person, especially for me to work with. I'm very lucky because I'm also an engineer, uh, in in um, I'm a mechanical engineer that then specialized in metallurgy plastics developments things like that right and um being able to i'm very on the i think the left side is a more creative side uh very thinking creatively and having uh, a son who's also very creative and almost better than i am at most of these things the synergy you can get going back and forth and coming up with ideas and being aligned with a lot of these ideas is phenomenal it is phenomenal so it's very lucky. Um, the the down part is, of course, there's the looseness of a family type of interaction, where they tell me that I'm full of bullshit, you know, half the and time. We know that's not true. Um, it's it's only true 90 percent of the time that they say. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. But well, we're very
1: yeah. lucky. You know, in my past business, I've had seven businesses before this, all the way from. You know, we have one of the top internet gambling sites uh, with Networld Online, Halo Corporation. Um, And then with uh, our industries manufacturing we did. Then in Europe, I had Aika Game Beha, uh, which was based in um, Germany. And then with Austrian headquarters, or not Austria, Swiss Swiss headquarters, where we did distribution into uh, the beauty markets and things like that, uh, working with French, German, Swiss, Then we had um, another company in just uh, specialized toolings for the space centers and everything. So we've been lucky that I always have had partners. I always partner up with people, either other companies or bring partners, minority partners in that have just just propelled the businesses up. So we've been, you know, that's why I retired 14 years old when I, uh, 14 years ago when I sold Ha Aika Game Beha and AI here in America to Jardin Corporation and retired. And that lasted three months. <laughs> so, um,
0: but you know, who wants to retire? Right. Yeah. No, I tried that once. It, it didn't, yeah. it didn't, it didn't work very well. So um, 14 years of Academy of Academy games and you started certainly uh, with war games in mind, right? Um, and, and, and that's a, been a passion for you. You probably played the most of your life. I'm not a war game
1: player. Um, I love war games. Um, but when I analyzed the market at the time, and every business is business, and you go where the easiest entry to barriers against barriers are. And analyzing the market at the time, um, I had several games, of which most I haven't even published yet. <laughs> They're still lingering there because, you know, everything gets pushed aside. Um, but I felt at the time that the market, the barrier to entries for war games was the best because war games were and much less now, but still are in general, still stuck in a time loop of the 70s and 80s. Um, now, the good designers are definitely changing but by the old war games i meant um you're playing a game you have charts you have uh, very long progressive uh, uh turn structures you have where i'm doing something the other people are twiddling their hands for five or ten or 15 or 20 minutes at a time where the euro games were coming out with such new and interesting and just groundbreaking game designs, rule engine designs that was cutting through the here. You have to memorize this. You have to look this information up. And they were building it into the game system, that in the game system, things were naturally happening. So for example, one of the big things I saw and what influenced me is like in Conflict of Heroes, which was our first war game series, Having when a side starts breaking down losses, overwhelming odds, things just shit hitting the fan. And you have that that breakdown, the logistical um, breakdown, the communication, just the morale break, the, arbor, uh, the, the arbitration of of losing uh, NCOs and officers. They had all these rules. We're in conflict. appears where we have our command track. You lose a guy. It goes on this command track on the far end and the more you lose the less command you have to take the decisions and and influence a battle the way you want so that little little things like that which people go oh i do that okay but they don't understand that little act took three to four pages of rules away that in the old days people would go oh if you have these losses then these units get this much less um, movement, and then you have to do this and this and this for your logistics. And... Um, so the days of games like that are gone because players were so inundated by all this information coming in that even guys like us who grew up pre-internet time era, even our brains are being rebuilt to react to quick text messages quick youtube short films um so we don't want to sit there and play a game where i'm waiting for half an hour an hour i don't want to play in general a game that's going to last five to six hours i'd rather play two or three good games in that time frame so that's why i at the time i saw that i saw that the war games were still using little chits and Ugly little paper, hand-drawn math. No, but there's
0: there's a group of of people that still love that, right? And yes. a lot of it's due to the fact that that's kind of what many of us grew up with. So, right. I, we, we don't begrudge that group, right? But the, I but do the, not. The question I the question I have for you is what? And I don't mean to be insulting. I have a I tendency
1: of insulting people by means I don't mean. Yeah. My point is, I, as a business, am here to make money. I'm not to put out my loving war game because yeah. it's my love. No, I have to keep this business going to keep all our employees across the
0: world paid. Yes, and and if I insult somebody, I'd like to do it on purpose. That would be my choice, yeah. right? So, and, and I tell people right away, Weiss, ich deutscher.
1: I, I was brought up this way. I say what I think. Yes. And um, I often, I apologize if I insult the small minority of people who still like playing those games. Right. But if we don't sell between 15 and 30,000 copies of a war game, we're wasting our time. The, the, what I'm trying to say is because, well, I don't like playing the lookup charts. These are the very analytical, like planning everything ahead. You go do something, take a walk for an hour. My turn will be over an hour. Yeah. There are few people who still like that, um, but they're such a minority. Now, those few people like that also like the games where they can just get in play. Right. So I'm not saying that I don't like running,
0: right? but I try not to run too often during the day. You'd be both. So here's, but here's the question. The the question is, let's talk a little bit about how it benefits the hobby, right? And for me, it's a hobby I've played in for years and love to find mechanisms and games that are more playable and uh, and, and quicker to learn and and perhaps even uh, more interesting. How, How does that benefit the hobby?
1: Well, the hobby is, it's, it's the way our brain is working. You know, I read more about how the brain works. I have more books right now. I'm reading a conscious, a conscientious crisis, you know, how people now are reacting to each other in society. Why, how, what are the, what, what triggers people, what, what pulls them back. Um, and it's how our brains work. The average And, you know, I'm going to insult people again, but it is on purpose. I'm not going to to, I don't like just washing it off and, and say, oh, it's the way it is. The average adult in the world, not America, in the world, in some areas, it's even worse that you meet out there. What do they do during the day? What new things are they learning where they have to sit down and study and bring new information in their brain so that their brain still stays active to new ideas? The average person, you can tell them two new things in a game before they start putting up their their eye shields and their brain starts phasing out to everything else coming in so many of us know who have friends who've never played a game before, you have to start out with very simple games and then work them up so that number one, they learn mechanics of the easy games that are used as foundations for more advanced games, but also get their brains active enough that they cannot just shut down after two, but can take in five to six, maybe even seven new concepts. Then you have the people whose brains are firing on all eight cylinders, or let's get away from that, are firing on a really good lithium battery, Mm -hmm. and that they then can take these five, six, seven different components coming in, in their mind can take that in, can visualize and put together a game plan to win a game or take actions or make decisions so this is not only important so key for games but even in life and your average person goes day in day out talking about football talking about the weather and turning on the tv their ba- brains are uh, brains are atrophied so we have to play now build games where they do not have exemption rules they don't have to go and say, this you have to memorize if this happens. Every time I have to do that in any of my games, I'm like, God, how can we get out of it? If there's no way to get out of it, how can we make it very clear in front of them that this is a trigger to it? Um, So yes, the main thing that modern game design is doing is working on the masses so that they can enjoy games. The war game industry is stronger and bigger than it ever has been in history. People go, Oh, war gaming is dying out. No, more people are playing war games now than in the 70s and 80s. We are, and it keeps growing. But are they the Richthofen's War? Are they um, Panzer Leader? Are they all these games? The new people? No, it's hard to get someone coming in. Hey, guys, let's play a game. Um, we were just uh, at a, a convention with that had nothing to do with gaming. And people wanted to play Apples to Apples. I go, nice game. But we're like 14 people here. Let me teach you a game. We played Werewolf. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to play Werewolf. Yes. But getting across to this new people, I said, many of you, this is going to be so out there. You're going to look at this game and it will make no sense. So just sit back. Don't worry about making sense. It will make sense for half of you. The other half of you, it will not the first few times. But trying to get them even a concept like werewolf, where you're just talking with people, but it's the subtleties after a few rounds of seeing how people are voting, what they're saying, what they're doing, and having those blocks fall together and say, that's a werewolf and being able to knock and and get it right. Um, So that's, that's my point, is that the majority of people in the world cannot take in new information on a game, cannot process this new information to be able to put together and take actions. So you have to make it as easy as possible so that you get the masses because the average person will decide if they like or dislike a game in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sitting down and saying, hey, it's going to take us about 20 minutes to teach you this game. Same the way rules are written. Many rule books go, this is what's all included as in this game. I'm a new player. Why am I throwing all this information on the person? You know, you've seen our rule books have changed also. All just to make Make it easier. Um, You know, here. Here you have this. Here. Set up the game like this. Do this first, this, this, this. Guess what? They're putting their fingers on. They're seeing what's in the game. And they see what they do. Boom. And then right away, make it fast, easy. I turn this game, the page, and you're playing easy. Make it easy. I mean, Vikings is a six rules game. But there's a lot of subtleties in there built in. Um, so we're doing that more and more with our AIs, with our, our war games and everything. We are bringing it in through lock and keys um, with our newer games, like our new, and we'll talk about this in maybe in a little while, with Stellaris, which is this huge 4X video game that we've taken, which is a a hound of a game to learn Incredible game, but the depth of the game in the video game can overwhelm some people. In the board game, it's like in five minutes you know how to play. Here, here are these four sheets: expand, exploit, um, explore, and not not exterminate. We don't believe in exterminating because that's not real exopolitics. So you've got these things. Choose one of them, and here real big symbols. What do you want to do? Here's what's cost. No longer, I have to count and see what my resources are. If I get a mining resource or I've done it, I pull that resource and it's my tray. I want to do something. I take those resources, put it on my board. Simple. Everybody does at the same time. Then when you execute, do it at the same time. But the subtlety is nobody knows which one of these four phases you're doing at that time. You could move, trying to start a battle, moving to my system while I'm heavy into building defense systems because I thought, oh, he might attack me. Once we did all the planning, you can't pull back like in real life. You've committed. Everybody goes, And he's moving in, and all of a sudden you're building all these things and going, oh, shit. And you're like, you came to attack me? And he's like, no, no, I'm here on a diplomatic mission. Let's be friends. So, um, the games have to be even very complicated games. You need to be able to teach it in five to ten minutes yeah. to be successful and make money. And a lot of businesses are going out of business now right. because their games. Everybody thinks they're a game designer, but good game designers understand that. Yeah. And then also the turnaround of time. You know, we're trying to. Um, our third edition and, and these are just little things that we really don't say, but I don't ever, I don't even know if I've ever told that. but our third edition of, of Conflict of Heroes, we got rid of the seven action points. You no longer have to track how many actions a unit gets. Now you just choose any unit. And when it took its action, you roll a spent check die. that's a way to die as two ones, one, two, two, threes. One, four, two, five, six, and a seven. So 10 sided dice, if you need to get higher than a three, it's a 50-50 odds because there's two, one, one, two, and two threes on a 10-sider. We did that progression so that you using one of your command points takes that percentage down, and now it's a 30% chance of staying fresh, not being, to be able to continue to take, actions specific to the mission on their own volition, that unit, instead of it being spent, meaning it will only take actions for that remainder round from a commander's standpoint. Commander can still say, go do, but you want them to be on their own volition, continuing to go on mission objective. Why did we do this, that you roll that die? Because we've learned subconsciously, people love that mechanism from gambling addiction of rolling a die for outcome. That decision rolling an outcome has dopamine effects in the brain, which has been for millennia, people get addicted. So we took our normal game of, oh, I'm gonna attack you and boom, that gave you it. We doubled it by then also having to see, it's gonna be spent, how bad do I need it? Do I take some of these rare resources, add it so my odds are better? Just by doubling that, and as stupid as people think that that mechanism is, for the majority of people, it is this mechanical thing, the brain, they like that better than keeping track of numbers. So that's what I mean with the modern day in design. How can we bring from modern gambling that we know how modern gambling addictions work, how the brain works how decision cycles tightening them up work how all these incredible game designs old designs pull a card to see what happens old school you're pulling card no decision here are four cards or three cards you want to do this but if someone else does that or spends research to pull what you want before you get it tension I'm not going to do this because I want that card before he gets it. But if I pull that card before I do this, then he may do this. That'll screw me over here. Modern game design. So simple. Don't draw, don't pull, draw blind cards. Have so many cards showing. Plus the option to draw blind if you wish. Little mechanics like that have just catapulted game play and game design from a standpoint of how the brain reacts to it.
0: Right, right, no, and it's good, right? I think the idea of making these games more accessible from, from your perspective as a, as a publisher increases the, the universe of people that are interested, that may be interested in buying your games. From a hobbyist perspective like mine, you know, I, I have very small, uh, uh, you know, uh, bits in the game, but uh, from my perspective, it means more people to play games with. It means uh, more publishers that will produce games. Uh, there's there's just a lot of of, uh, of benefit I think to uh, to creating these games. So I appreciate you doing that. The um, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about Stellaris um, and the Kickstarter, right? I mean, w- what an incredibly successful game this has been for you. And um, would love just some of your thoughts on the history. Why the Kickstarter? Why go after a property like this uh, that that you know that has its own IP? And um, you know, I, just curious about your thoughts on on this approach.
1: I just launched a. Um, can you see my window here? Can see your window. Looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else disappeared on me. Let me see where I am. I I don't. It took away everything. Your face. Everything disappeared. But um, on on, on our best. website if I click on here and I, I click for more information um this is where we stand with that I don't know if you can see it right now oh yeah
0: three million dollars Wow
1: right um, and this is through Karadox right now and it's a just a phenomenal game it's a it, it's taking a civilization building it up um, building your resources and again, Again, modern game design, if you build a star base, a a protective star base, like, can you see my mouse? Yes. Like here, you have a star base protecting this planetary system. When you play that, you take the resources required to keep that going. You take those resources, and it comes out of your resource well and goes away. So in future rounds, you don't have those resources to do anything else because it's supporting the protective star base um, centers around certain planetary and, and star systems. So um, I don't know how I got on. Oh, I was just looking at the picture. But here we have a game where we're over 3 million. It, it should have been a little over 4, but we lost. In the middle of the campaign, we made sure that un- people understood when we're getting ready to ship, that they'd have to pay the shipping and their VAT. Mm. Because when this was running, we still did not understand or have all the information that took place in June of um, how Brexit would work. Would they continue to allow, if the game were under 120 euro, it comes in without having to go through customs? And that's what the laws were with a lot of countries before um June of this year, but now it's changed. And most of them have said, "Nix your it comes in no matter what the price. They're paying uh, the duties on it. So when we made people aware of it, middle of the of the um, the Kickstarter campaign, we lost over three days. Harold, we lost a little over eight hundred dollars and backers. Wow. At the same time, because when you see a campaign that's in, you know, we were at like 2.5 million at the time, you lose and you drop from 2.5 down to 1.7 in three days. That'll bring a cascading thing of panic where a campaign could be doomed and people just flee like crazy. So we had to pay roughly, we had to do then roughly around $45,000 worth of Facebook. And this is stuff, just internal information. But I just want to let people know how psychologically some of the things that that companies like us have to go through. Mm -hmm. We had to put $45,000 of just emergency, let's cover this through Facebook and Google ads to bring new customers in who understood, hey, we understand. Brexit, that's the way it is. VAT, that's the way it is. We can't cheat like a lot of people try to just ship it in and not pay VAT. A company like us, we can't afford to do that. So um, we luckily got a little over 600,000 in new backers over those three days. So we only dropped from 2.5 Down to 2.3 million dollars over that three-day span, and if people go through the Kickstarter and they see it was going up, and and you see that drop of 200 thousand, and then slowly going back up again, that was total ulcer and more gray hair for UVA time. (laughs) That people don't realize, you know, you don't publicize it. It's just internally total panic times, and this is things that that for. And I'm going to go in, and I'm going to try to stop the uh, screen sharing here. Mm -hmm. Um, Stop share, and there I am again. There you go. Um, These are little things that companies like us have to go through. And you're asking, yeah, we're very family oriented because it's my wife, my son, I are in the business. But then we have, you know, our our art teams, our project managers, all of our other full-time salary people, and we're adding more and more. You know, I'm. I interviewed some uh, people last week. Uh, Some of the old people disappeared during the COVID in Europe and all that because of issues with having to leave the countries and things like that. Um, We just found one of our incredible artists again, who had to move out of the country and go back to his country. And um, he's uh, now starting in with us full time. So we, um, The country, the the companies are 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 so stressed already, and then we have these other things that most people don't see, and they're going, "Oh, you're holding back on this game, you know, because you're trying to take advantage of us." No, we only make money when we sell you the game and take your money. (laughs) Me delaying publishing game is not because I'm greedy. No. It's because we're so damn anal, unfortunately. Being engineers and 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 Germans, and when I say German, we're actually card-carrying German, you know, passport people. You're the real deal. So, um, well, we are. We are the nice. We're the we're the come to America and have to go through and learn linguistics so that we kind of blend in, Germans. Um,
0: well, but, so so the Stolaris, you, you you told the story of the lost. Orders, but it's a wonderful success for you, right? I mean, exactly. in the end, that what a fant! Three million dollars is just a fantastic bit of revenue from a game, right? Yes,
1: and I think when we come out with the different European languages, we're going to do the expansion. Then the Hive expansion. Once we ship this, um, we're going to do the Hive expansion. Do a new Kickstarter. We think it'll be even better. Right, um, and now we've been uh, we were approached by a company who saw at GenCon we were running full games. I mean, the game is done. We're just the game has hundreds of different storylines that intertwine, and it's called Stellaris Infinite Legacy because any decision you make radiates forward and changes how the game is played, the universe, everything. And it's not like a legacy like the old Risk legacy where you tear a card or something like that. This legacy means that this, you as a player found a new planet with a mineral that you really need for your star drive systems, but there's already a civilization on it that's very aggressive, an avian aggressive uh, civilization that is very militant, but hasn't reached the stars yet is only on their planet. You need this because you're getting pressure from these other empires coming from this area. This empire has already started a counter religious movement in your sectors. This game isn't build up armies and kill each other. This game is a subtle game. And I'll go in the details. Why again, how we're trying to get the masses in, but if you then go on this planet because you feel we need to get these minerals right away and you just eradicate the civilization, that decision will make this card or a card tells you to pull, goes then on top of your player screen. And it's a very unique player screen that we showed, but I'll get into that in a while. It goes on your player screen and it will show a lock, a symbol and a number If at any time other storylines or other civilizations meet you and were throughout the universe at the time, they may have a key that unlocks that lock that makes your decision, which other players don't know about, makes it known. That will unlock negativity storylines going for you because of other races and, and empires going, whoa. They just went to this planet. Can you believe it? They just wiped out that whole civilization. Unbelievable. You know, and the players then either freely because it doesn't help them if maybe, or they don't trust you then, or by how the storylines and what their ethics are for their civilization will keep them from doing stuff with you. And so these storylines propagate like that and radiate. But if you did this with this planet, and wiped them out but then you would put like a did some other thing at another time that may negate this and get it away because other things take precedent over it that these lock and keys will do this stuff which may be beneficial to you so it's a very unique system that hasn't really been done we started it with our agents of man but it's, it's so much more sophisticated and um with a system, it's 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 meant to be played. You're playing a two-hour game. It's another thing in game design. It's a two-hour game. You're playing an era. Here are your objectives: win or lose. I won the game. Wow, what a great game! See you later. Or we had so much fun. Let's save our stuff in the. It's made such each empire can put their solar a planet. Uh, not solar star systems. Earth is the solar, the only one solar system in there. I had to get used to that. But take their star systems, everything, they have their own trays and all, and they save it. And then the next time you play, we, if we just started a game together, we're all second era. But now someone new wants to come in. They didn't play with us like, hey, I want to join your game. Come on in, you're first era. They only have to get one objective. We now, to play this game, need two objectives fulfilled. One of my objectives may be to help this new one get to the stars in some way. Um, And they're going, oh, what a nice guy, Uva! You know, he's helping me play. It's first time playing. What a nice guy. He's helping me play. No, by helping you, I win the game. That gives me benefits. I won the game. Everybody had fun. If you want to continue, play another era. If you're playing the campaign, your civilization ascends in five to seven eras. Then you can say, oh, the first one is send you one, ah, you want. Or no, if you're loving it so much and the others want to see where their plants and the storylines and how everything keeps going, once you ascend, that you then start a new empire with a whole new type of race and everything. But you have legacy benefits from where you ascended the last time. And all this ascending, that civilization, all the cards that were added into the game pool, all from their storylines continue to influence. So what we've done is we're taking a war game, tech influence empire building into two R segments that are very quick to learn and you're playing. So when you're first playing a new player, you don't care what your legacy, you don't care about your ethics, you're playing. But as soon as you do something that could be influenced by ethics, The game pops in, it says, pull these cards from your player box, and it tells you what ethics are. So you're learning these new rules, where most people are like that, over your first two-hour period, where you're playing the game, having fun for 45 minutes, and go, oh, ethics. What kind of ethics do I want my empire to be? I am a mushroom uh, a sentient mushroom, and I am going to go through the planets. I don't need all this food and everything like high-metabolism species like me, uh, humans, or the bird-like or these other amoeba-like or gaseous forms. So my ethic would be that I have to be very communal and not a very aggressive internally because for long trips. We have to be very egalitarian. So I'm going to go with these ethics. Now, these ethics, when th- certain things happen, will limit you to what you can do and can't do. So that's what Stellaris is about. Right. It's an incredible space, could be a war game if you get guys all just want to fight. But if I'm fighting, you're more, you're more powerful, hmm, I might send out internal political conflict that has, if you're a very passive, all of a sudden... I'm gonna get a very hawkish faction going. I'm gonna get your crime bosses helping in trading narcotics to bring maybe your, your um, their profits in. But all of a sudden you have narcotics issues and drug issues. And it's one of these beautiful games where you can really play with people without them knowing it. And then all of a sudden it happens, they're like, son of a bitch. <laughs>
0: So, so tell me about the decision to, to work with a, a, a property, right? An a, a existing property and how hard that is to negotiate into a terms that make the risk acceptable for you.
1: Um, the number one thing I want to really quick say that, um, that should fit in front of this. I, as a game publishing company, have value only if I own a property. A lot of game, a lot of designers go, oh, I'm the designer. I own this. I'm going to license it to you, Harold, to your company. And if you don't do it quite as I like or this or that, i can go to pull it and I can go somewhere else. As the industry matures more and more, I, as a company, if I only have the license for a game, not a big video license like this, I'm just talking general. A game designer says, hey, how do you like my game? With our agreements, we say, yes, we're going to do this. In writing, legal, every copy we sell, you are going to get royalties on. But we own it. We own it lock, stock, and barrel. It is ours. If we do not have that, what is our company, what value does our company have if we don't have the assets to the games that we've built up worldwide, gone through the effort, the marketing, the risk and everything. Yes, people go, oh, but you're making the money on the sales. The risk, the money it takes to develop a game, do it right like we do, we really put a lot of time into it. Going multiple languages and everything, all of a sudden then it could be pulled from us or the next game in the series goes to someone else on a series that we build up, I've been approached by three different companies who are hurting. And there are a lot of game companies hurting right now. And it's going to get worse now with the the rate hikes and the slowdown, Europe slowing down sales. And this is all part of my buildup to working with the video company. If you do not own 90% of the titles that you have built up and is in your repertoire of games. If you don't own them, your value of your company is zero because the inventory that you own is not put into the value of your company. I'm building your engine to make me more money in the future. I'm paying you this amount of money because the million dollars I'm going to pay you is going to give me a return of 12% per year over the next 10 years. But most games, as you know, have a very short life now because there's 7,000 new games coming out. The average game only has an active high sell rate during the Kickstarter and three to five weeks after it's released till Cool Stuff, Inc., Noble Knights are all, eh, we've got the other 100 new games coming out. That's in the back page. You do really good three weeks, and wrong. And a year after it comes out, you almost have zero sales for 99% of the games coming out. So you're seeing more and more companies like us going, we'd love to work with you. We're going to put our heart and soul in this. We're giving guarantees on paper that you will be paid for every copy we ever sell. But we own it. It's not yours anymore. Our derivative works on it. You're going to get percentages of it. We want you to more do more because we're putting tens of thousands in advertising worldwide different languages the 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 money we're putting in now just all the fake stuff coming out of China we are more storms of steel being sold illegally <laughs> through Chinese you know anyway so at first designers are like no no that's not how it works it's my game I keep control good luck Spend the fifty dollars to $100,000 in taking the risk in today's market, selling it, having a game where you have to do the good marking. We want this thing to go out. We cannot afford to sell only 3,000 copies. We've got to sell tens of thousands to make the money to come back. So that's number one. So why would we do with this in mind? And a lot of, a lot of designers says, no, we can't do that. Well, I wouldn't say a lot still about 30% who come to us say, no, I'm not going to do that. Wish you a lot of luck. And probably out of those 30%, 95 are just sitting on their games because there are not many publishers out there anymore. Who are going to take off the random streets, new designers, or even established designers and put all the money because there's so many, there's a plethora of games out there. So why would we go with a like paradox games? Um, and we're very, we're very picky with that. Um, we're a very small company compared to a Hasbro or whatever. Sure. But we are also very, with a very specific market. Um, and the reason why is that we only do games that we love to play. So I've been a Stellaris fanatic. Gunta loved Stellaris. And it was a game we loved. And when we were approached, we talked with them. We um, sat down internally, before we before we went further with him, came up with a good engine that we thought would work. And we put a good three full solid weeks of work into this with our design teams, going around, round, round. How can we take this very complex game and make it where in five pe- minutes people have gone through the basics and can play and go, this is cool. I want to keep playing. Um, and why we do it is because working with a company like Paradox, which has a great reputation, will help our sales short-term and hopefully long-term because we believe in long-term partnerships and we stay loyal and we everything we do is try to make the Paradox Starless Legacy game flourish. We're looking for them. It has to be a two-way street. They're helping us by making people aware of Academy Games' to hundreds of thousands of players, new ones. So if they get our Stellaris game like it, ah, they may try our upcoming Western Twilight game or our Conflict of Heroes games or 878 Vikings. We gain through that. Plus, we make a lot of money on selling the Stellaris game. Um, and it helps us with the cash flow and all we're developing again it's forcing us to try all new type of game engines which we then use in our other games so it is a risk because you can lose it like that and then you're gone all the work everything you've done everything you've built up is gone the only good thing is with the huge Big studios like this, if it's gone, when we think is other people are doing games, they have a tendency of doing a, not a game that's similar to the video game, but in a board game where we're trying to make it even better and bring the storylines that go in line with that. And people are who play the video game love it. And people who've never played the video game love the board game, want to buy the video game, and vice versa. Um, A lot of companies, they will use a license, do a stupid like chess playing game and put the blanket of the video game over it, the name. It has nothing to do with the video game. It's just some stupid dorky little game that has a name of it. That's very disappointing to the video game players. So there are not many game companies that can take a title like that and do it. So it's helped us a lot. Because of our, with Stellaris, we've now been, we're negotiating, I can't go with whom, but we've been approached for an even larger, it's like three times bigger than Stellaris. And it was very, we, instead of jumping on it, we waited two or three months internally going through, can we, do we have the bandwidth to do this, to keep Stellaris going the way it should be? And also this, and what we're doing with our military games, our military training games, which is a whole nother area that's we've been working in the background really don't publicize that aren't for the main public. Um, And we finally decided we talked with a lot of people in the industry that we're very close to. And they're all like, you guys are nuts if you don't do that because it's huge. It makes the look small, you know? So, and It's a game that I've played since it first came out 20 years ago, and I love it. So um, it's a very, very, the simple question, how is it working? Why would you want to work with the video game company? It's a very, very deep thought process you have to go to because you don't own the rights. And I, as a company, if I would sell my company, how much of my valuation will the new company coming in put to my license of this because they could pull it any moment. Are they going to give me another three million dollars in sales in what it's going to cost them to buy my brand just because I have this huge video game that's very popular but could be pulled any moment. Yeah. Now, if I didn't have Gunta in on the business, who's so good at what he what would is who's continuing the academy game line. And he's a person who gets along with everybody as aggressive as we are. We're not purposely aggressive and try to backstab or, you know, talk about people behind their back. We actually get along with a lot of most people in the industry. I, I can't tell you anybody we don't get along with except one person. Um, now we may not, we may not get along with a lot of people and we don't know it, but right. <laughs> in general, um, so I would not be doing a lot of this if there weren't a continuity to Academy Games that's set. Because I probably only have another good 10 years yeah. of really productive design in me
0: yeah.
1: before you know I'm like going, ah, I want to go and I'm going to do that bike trip, you know, along North Afghanistan to Pakistan that I always wanted to do. Right. Or
0: whatever, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Well, let's get the design outs before designs out before you head to Afghanistan, and Pakistan <laughs> on a bike. I had a friend who hit me up
1: six years ago, a, uh, an Austrian and he says, Uwe, and we, all German. It was, he's Austrian, another German myself. He says, We're going along northern Afghanistan, going into Pakistan. It's beautiful hiking and all that. It's going to be a four-week hike. I'm like, what a great idea. My wife is, are you nuts? Yeah. No. And they called me when it was done. They're sending me pictures. Had the time of their life. Yeah. You know, with all the war and all the shit going on, if you're German, it's like, oh, hey, you know, ah,
0: no, yeah, that's, that sounds too much like being a Green Beret without a gun. Is what that sounds like. But uh, so, so, um, I, I, in closing, Uba, what what else is coming uh, for you, and 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 what do you, what can you share with us that's interesting and, and new? I have a few things I cannot share, but let me open up here. Well, the stuff we you can't share is the stuff we'd like to see. I'm <laughs> going
1: to share this screen right here. Um, I'm going to share. Not the screen. I want to share the entire window. Let me see if I can do a window on this. Um, I don't use Zoom as much as I use uh, Discord and other ones, so I have to yeah, see. That's all right. take, take how I can time. take your time. I People don't know. Probably enjoy looking at our faces. I'm trying to do my whole screen and not a window. It says mm-hmm. only select window. Let me go advanced. Um, how now? Nah,
0: I well, think your I'm window, your your whole screen gives you the risk of us, us seeing something we don't need to see. Oh
1: no! I have everything off. I trust me. I I'm paranoid with that. We we were hacked. Um, you know, we have another website that's not open to the public for specific customers and everything. Right. And um, we got hacked last Monday morning, Sunday night or Monday morning. But the software is made that as soon as it senses anything, it just shuts down. Even we. And it took us since Monday to get back in Ugh. through this soft through this program that just shuts down. And uh, luckily, they they didn't get anything. I mean, it just even us, you know. But they do it on purpose that way. We have to go through all the exactly. We have to give certifications again to get in our own website and get it going again. So that's been most of my week here. Um, but anyway, I'm going to show here this game right here. I'm going to go, I cannot see how to share a, I apologize, an entire. Yeah, that's all right. I, You know, I just went through Okay, it So yeah. I'm going to share this one here. Um, this is our Western Twilight coming up. Can you see this okay? Yes, looks great. I'm going to try to hit a plus sign here to make it a little bigger. There we go. Um, Western Twilight is all done going through the, just the final art stages
0: before it goes out to print. Generally, it looks like a, a game of facial hair.
1: Um, yeah, it's a very facial hair. It's pre-World War I. Yes. And it is a game where you are putting your influence throughout the world, getting influence in sectors of the world through getting dominance to help your country either get military, diplomatic, or econ- economic dominance of the area. So it's an area control type game using historical decisions and things happening. Um, I'm going to try to open up the, tell me if the screen, I'm gonna close this window and then open up another one. I don't know if it will, if it'll translate here. Um, It's, uh, oh, it, stop screen sharing
0: if you open up another window on your computer and then go to the share and now i'm going to go to here and play by play is exciting this is why people love these videos thank you (laughs) um i'm going to share here
1: again share screen and this is a um can you see it again
0: yes yes there's a map yeah
1: so here's the world map you're putting your getting your influence placed on it Every player, it's a rondelle, as you're going through, that gives you different type of actions. If you're trying to go too further than your normal one to three, you can put more resources to get to this other thing. If you are afraid someone else, let's say you have control of Africa here and uh, the French are trying to get into Morocco or Libya or Egypt um, to gain their influence, and, and take over, then you may want to do other things. And you can, as you're playing the game, you can change the direction you're taking by putting new Rundell pie pieces in that allow you to specialize in certain areas. Very fast playing game. And then you have the heat cycle. The game ends as soon as two of the European mites are exactly opposite and World War I breaks out. And if it goes into World War One and war breaks out, then the players who took have the main um, influences in military areas in the final scoring in, in different parts of the world will get, let's say, three points per area. Hmm. Whereas those who went either um, diplomatic or through economics will only get two or one. Um, but as you're going through the game, and you're deciding to go diplomatic or economically, well, economically gives you benefits during the game that allow you to expand more and give you much more power. But it's easier to go to war than to create peace. Hmm. So if you're in a peace-type era or economic, then, of course, the economics will get three points each, where war may only get one and diplomatic two. But if you are able to get everybody in the blue, in the cool area, Then the world has settled down, and then the diplomatics will get the big winning option. Very fast, clean game, plays in under two hours. Um, And this is our uh, Western Twilight game. Um, Cancel. I want to get out of here so I can show one more. Do you want to? No, I don't. Okay. Um, So that is the
0: our Western Twilight game. And when, when will Western Twilight be available? Are you going to do a Kickstarter? What's what's your thought on that? Um, the
1: the we are right now, as I say, the artwork is done. We are doing the final testing with everything from artwork and everything. The game is is set. So um, we are looking to go to printer in October. And we should be able to start shipping in um, December to January somewhere. We have not made this aware anywhere. Um, I'm. We've decided to go more the route where if we're not doing a Kickstarter or something that we put the game out for pre-order with specials, like a Kickstarter, but we're going to do it through our pre-orders. And that people have so long to pre-order and then, we ship immediately after the pre-orders are done mm-hmm. uh, instead of saying, Hey, we're taking all these pre-orders and then we're going to use your money to go to the printer. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take, you know, four to six months. We're, we're changing everything going this route. So we have our Western twilight, um, the France, 1940, which I have thought was going to be out in February of this year. Um, did not go out because I decided to, make much more use of um, false intelligence coming in. So everything was done a year and a half ago. And again, because of what we're doing in other games, I'm like, oh no, this would work so well with conflict of heroes. And there's a delay. Um, our, well, we
0: all have limited bandwidth, right? I mean, you have to pick and choose what you spend your right. time on. Yeah. Well, and I'm a little too picky and, and I'm, I'm working on that. Um, yeah. A game, I
1: always say a game is shit and people are always mad at you. But a shitty game that comes out on time is always a shitty game. A game that's late, a really good game that's late, is only shitty till it comes out. And then it's good
0: forever on. You're forgiven, yes.
1: Yeah. So um, we have our uh, Korean War, which all the artwork is done. Uh, that was done already two and a half years ago. mm mm-hmm but I'm now in the third iteration of changing the lock and keys. It's our um, fog of war, like Strike of the Eagle. Right. Everything is the same, but in Strike of the Eagle, when you did historical events in the middle, they just had like a now event. But with the Korean War, I want it to be more like what we're doing with Stellaris and everything, that if you decide to play nuclear weapons as Americans on the northern Borders with China to keep the Chinese from coming. What are the long term repercussions? Can't be here, this is what happens now. No, long term, your logistics are going to suffer because Japan starts revolting that you use nuclear weapons and our logistics through Japan aren't working anymore. This and that. And I wanted to put it in the game was incredible. It's probably the best Korean war game. I learned more playing this game in our Fog of War series. That's like our Strike of the Eagle than I ever did reading all these books. But again, I want it to be to that point where it's at that so that the next game in the series, which is Northern North Africa, is already set to to trickle down. Mm-hmm. So we have that coming out soon. We have um, very close to being done in our Birth of America series. In our like our Vikings, Birth of Europe, the Punic Wars, phenomenal game. Uh, the Punic Wars is the map is not fully done yet. But I can show you everything's done. Otherwise, um, here we go. The Punic Wars is uh, like our Vikings, very, very unique, and it's the Romans against the um, against uh, Hannibal, of course, the Second Punic Wars, and it's. Uh, I mean, we're we're getting pretty, you know, pretty far along. I mean, but this is the uh, punic wars Boom.
0: oh wow there it is
1: and then um we have same in birth of america again a uh, mm-hmm. vietnam phenomenal most of vietnam games are all about the war this birth of america game is going to be about the winning and losing what makes people is public opinion in america mm. so as you're losing american gis and everything you're going up the track in public opinion against public opinion. Then the events you're playing and everything could bring this down from the top. And as soon as they meet, America has to start withdrawing forces every turn. So you're not getting like in all the birth of America. You're getting your reinforcements. every. No, that happens. Boom. You're not getting a new and you have to start pulling out. Well, then the South Vietnamese are like in a panic. The North Vietnamese, what we've done with the Viet Cong and everything. Again, people played the old games. Literally 30 seconds of explaining them, the change, difference, and they got it. But they're so profound in game effects. And this is one of these Vietnamese a game, Vietnam games again, um, that I love all the Vietnamese, I love these games, playing it. But to get the masses to play... Yeah. But this is very simple. But people are playing are learning about it with all the events and things that are happening now, even more so because as public opinion starts coming down, and then all of a sudden, nineteen sixty-nine, Walter Cronkite does his <laughs> his talk, and boom, that can just drop it another one. Right. And so, how can you change that? Walter Cronkite doesn't do that as American player. Um, it gives again a simple game, all these decisions. So, Birth America, we have Vietnam, Vietnam coming out soon. We have the um, The Punic Wars. We are making very, very good on uh, a Civil War version. That's been in in play now for about two years, and we've been continually refining it to make the Civil War fun and more the decisions that the generals had to make in general instead of, you know, oh, just throw battles against each other. Uh, In Birth of America, I'm almost done with France, 1940, and also First Men In. That's coming along very well. We got two more French, um, one active and one retired uh, uh, colonels, same as colonels here in America, who are now finalizing with me and Pavlos the the missions so that we keep – it's difficult for a German to give a French flavor for the French side in the description and everything. I need a Frenchman to write that Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm – matter of fact, tick, 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 tick. Whereas the French made matter of fact, ticket a little different, um, and we want to keep that feel going. Um, and it's it it's ironic
0: di- that the French and the Germans might have a different perspective on the events of <laughs>
1: 1940. You know what? N- not really the military. The military the, the French in in World War II, their problem was the politics. Yeah. It was they were very constrained, and also they were old school still. You know, it was a very rigid hierarchy where German command was much more fluid and giving a lot more decision-making to upfront. Mm. And that's one of the problems Russia's having in Ukraine. You know, they are a logistics push, where America, we're a logistics pull. Mm. I need this. I'm determining what's being sent, not some jerks in headquarters saying, oh, we're going to use all our trucks to send missiles, and we're not sending the food and gas, Right. you know. Um, so france 1940s come out people go, is conflict of heroes dead and i'll know we, we're just making so much advancements and then also what we're doing with different type uh, um areas of the dod is taking a lot a lot of my time up and um the games that we're developing there which will not be for the public but will trickle down in different ways like our leadership development the um The uh, Marine Corps, and we talked about this a while ago, but we've been with the war in Ukraine, it's kind of thrown us off, but the mastering tactics system that the uh, U.S. Marine Corps Association was putting out for leadership training through the Marine Corps Gazette and everything, and in their warfare development department, been using over the last 15 years. Well, we worked with them. We got the, I don't know what their Legal area is, you know, all signed, and we're working on some very good games that'll teach officers critical thinking in combat situations. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, we're, I mean, we're people don't realize how good we are in America and how why the world is our adversaries are always scared of us. Luckily, we're a be- benevolent society, we're very inclusive, but we also have a footprint everywhere. We have a footprint everywhere. So we, in these games, were trying to bring another perspective in to an officer saying, oh, can you believe Russia invaded the Ukraine? That's bullshit. Look at it from a Russian's perspective saying, after the Cold War, we were promised that we would have that buffer zone. And it didn't happen. Would China ever agree to North Korea and South Korea being unified? No, because that's that buffer between the border of America's in South. And so if we can get them to see the other side and play the other side, then they will know more of the disposition of this, of this, of the other side, and then make decisions that will benefit me. And how do I work with this or do my Um, my, my moves, my disposition of troops, how I react based on the psychology I understand more because a lot of officers, the Chinese and all, they eat us up. They take classes on how we think, how are we trained? Do we do that? How the Chinese? No. What for? We're just going to do this in Rome. Really? So we're, we're trying to bring more critical comment thinking and, put people from the, it's, we were working with Russian officers on the Mujahideen, very good book, a uh, bear one over the mountain. And we're using that with them to do a whole series of games on how the Mujahideen and then Taliban combat has changed over time. And how do we go against that? How, how do we, how can we fight that successfully? Um, but now with the war, everybody's disappeared, you know, right. right. Um, but it was it, when we were do, doing the play testing, we're pretty far along with, with our Afghanistan um, training games. It's very difficult for officers to play the Taliban in, even in a board game trying to um, go against American forces or British forces or whatever. Sure. Very difficult. Sure.
0: Um,
1: and again, we as a company have to be very careful with this. So we're doing our first game with the British paratrooper units in Afghanistan that took a, did some incredible heroic things also. But I, as an American here, American citizen also, hard-carrying members either way, um, it it can be very traumatic. So the first game we're going to do, again, from a business decision standpoint uh, to the public, is we're safer doing the same missions with British special force paratrooper units versus average Marine Corps army type of assets. Right. And again, that's a decision you have to make.
0: It's a, you know, look, we could make another podcast out of uh, the the effects of playing these different sides, right? Because it's very much an issue in the hobby. And it's interesting to see you encounter that with professional, uh, professional, professional, Military, right? I, I, uh, it, it's it's a very astute and interesting observation. Um, Uwe, that's probably a great place for us to stop for now. Plenty more to talk about, but man, what a what a a a whirlwind, a virtual tornado, right? To tie us back to the to the early Ohio commentary. But I appreciate you spending the time with me, and always great talking to you. And uh, again, you know, just uh, I, I can't wait to see uh, Vietnam, Punic Wars and Civil Wars and the Birth of America series. I really. And Harold, I really appreciate what you do. Also, all the little things, you know, you should do a
1: podcast. But I should interview you sometime and have you do 90 percent of the talking because <laughs> you do so many cool things for our hobby. You know, but let me ask you this, Harold, what's the next event that you'll be running? Or what, what are you working on right now, which is really key that many of your listeners may not even know?
0: Well, you're very kind to ask that, Uba, and I'll, I'll answer it for certain. But but one of the reasons that people like my podcast is because I don't talk very much. So I think that's, uh, uh, you know, we've got, so San Diego Historical Games Convention comes up in November in San Diego. Uh, and it's going to be great fun. I know you can't make it this year, as we've discussed, uh, but we will uh, look forward to you coming to San Diego at some point in November in the future. Definitely. Um, we also have our conflicts of interest um, eZine, right? Our online uh, yep. magazine. If you haven't seen it, I want to send you a link. But it's, uh, you know, it's a great place for the San Diego historical gamers to spend time uh, and talk about the things we like to talk about. So. First well, no, issue. It's not only for San Diego, it's, it's worldwide. People can discuss, right? It's worldwide. And, and our branding San Diego, because that's what we've, you know, that's kind of what we've been, but, but now the group is, you know, we've probably have 20 people that work actively in the San Diego, his, his con stuff. Um, and, and the third thing we're working on is online. Uh, we're, we're working on uh, considering and setting up our next online convention, which you've mentioned uh, as well and, and participated in. So, that will probably take place in in early 2023 but um you know just lots of stuff going on and and very kind of you to, to to mention it so thanks for bringing that up and you might want to mention
1: also San Diego is a country somewhere near the Pacific right
0: yes yes just across the Mexican border as a matter of fact uh so. and, and and we love it we love it here in Mexico so um <laughs> it's it's great come visit us sometime podemos hablar. Español. <laughs> Gracias. Yeah, uh, it'll be great talking to you, thank and um, let's stay in touch. Time. Look forward to, to doing this again. Thanks. And now I'm going to have to go and settle down because you get me so
1: pumped up. <laughs> my adrenaline's going, so I'm going to have to take the dog and do one of these stupid ass runs. Which why do you even do that?
0: You Ooh, know? Yeah. No, don't run. We have established that. All right. Take
1: care. Right. See ya. Thank you.